Decision Podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by VoicePods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org slash law. People vs. Sanders, decided on February 9, 2023. Rivera, J. The long-forbidden routine use of visible shackles during the guilt phase of a trial, in the absence of a special need, Deck v. Missouri, applies during the jury's reading of its verdict and the court's polling of the jurors. Here, the trial judge violated this constitutional due process prohibition by ordering defendant to be handcuffed when the jury returned to announce its verdict without providing an on-the-record, individualized explanation for the restraints. Because this error was not harmless, it requires reversal of defendant's conviction and a new trial. Defendant Oscar Sanders was tried before a jury on one count of attempted assault in the first degree, Penal Law Section 120.102, and one count of assault in the second degree, Penal Law Section 120.052, arising from a physical altercation with the victim and two counts of criminal contempt resulting from his subsequent violations of an order of protection. After the jury advised the court that it had reached a verdict but before the jury returned to the courtroom, defense counsel observed defendant in handcuffs. Counsel made the following objection in open court. I understand that it's this court's policy. I just learned this minutes ago. To keep my client in handcuffs while the jury comes out and renders their verdict. But it's my understanding that the law allows for the defense and prosecution to poll the jury with the idea in mind that perhaps the unanimity of the jury can be questioned when the foreperson announces a unanimous jury. And with that in mind, being that the defendant is in handcuffs while they announce that verdict, especially in the case of if it's a verdict of guilty, lends pressure to anyone who might dissent during that polling to be influenced negatively against anyone in handcuffs, and certainly in this case, I would say that's true for defendant. So I'm asking you to leave him uncuffed during the reading of the verdict for that reason. The court responded, All right. The application is denied. Bring in the panel. A court officer then directed everyone in the courtroom to stand as the jury entered in. After the jurors had entered, the trial judge ordered defendant to once again stand for the reading of the verdict. The jury then found defendant guilty on the above counts and the court confirmed the verdict by polling the jurors. Defendant was subsequently sentenced as a persistent felony offender to an aggregate term of 15 years to life imprisonment. On defendant's appeal, the appellate division affirmed, reasoning, in relevant part, that any error in defendant being handcuffed, without any explanation on the record, during the rendition of the verdict and the polling of the jury was harmless, because the jury had already reached its verdict and defendant's suggestion that jurors may have been inclined to repudiate their verdicts during polling but were influenced to refrain from doing so by the sight of defendant in handcuffs, is highly speculative. A judge of this court granted defendant leave to appeal. We now reverse. The due process clause of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution prohibits states from physically restraining a defendant during a criminal trial without an on-the-record, individualized assessment of the state interests specific to a particular trial, DEC. See also People v. Clyde. A trial court therefore has a constitutional obligation to conduct close judicial scrutiny before ordering a defendant restrained, Holbrook v. Flynn, quoting Estelle v. Williams. 
It is undisputed that no such scrutiny occurred here and therefore the trial judge committed a constitutional error by ordering defendant handcuffed without placing the special need for such restraints on the record, Deck, Clyde. The prosecution's claim that the constitutional prohibition articulated in Deck does not apply during the reading of the jury verdict and polling of individual jurors is meritless. First, Deck involved the application of the constitutional prohibition against restraint during the punishment phase of a capital case which necessarily occurred after the guilty verdict had been entered. Second, the reading of the verdict is an integral part of the guilt determination phase. As the court explained in People v. Salemo, citing to CPL 310.80, a verdict reported by the jury is not final unless properly recorded and accepted by the court, citing CPL 310.80. Indeed, in accordance with CPL 310.80, the trial court must order the jury to resume deliberations when polling elicits a negative answer from one or more jurors. As a consequence, until the jury returns to the courtroom, publicly announces the verdict and, if polled, confirms the verdict, there is no finding of guilt, defendant is still presumed innocent, and the constitutional prohibition on restraining a defendant without explanation remains in full force. Under the applicable harmless error standard, we cannot say that this constitutional error was harmless beyond a reasonable doubt. See Clyde. See also People v. Crimmins. The error here requires reversal of defendant's conviction and a new trial. See People v. Williams. Our decision renders defendant's remaining claims academic. See People v. Murray. Accordingly, the order of the appellate division should be reversed and a new trial ordered. Order reversed and a new trial ordered. Opinion by Judge Rivera, Acting Chief Judge Canatero and Judges Garcia, Wilson, Singas and Troutman concur. Decided February 9, 2023. Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by VoicePods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law www.nypti.org slash law